0: Let's go.
1: Should I ask first? You may. Okay. Um, I feel very confident about getting in one-to-one clients, partly because I know 100% I have got people results with it. How can I have the same in selling my online coaching without necessarily having the same history of success with it?
2: Good question. So you've got to look, you've got to break down the fundamentals of what, you're providing people and how that provides it to people so i I also think you've got to look at the fact that one-to-one face-to-face coaching isn't for everybody it's just what has been done when the industry's kind of been brought up and so i think from that standpoint you've got to recognize that it's it's not for everybody like online is better for for a lot of people than face-to-face coaching And I think also you've got to take the fundamentals of what your whole service provides someone from an accountability perspective to structure, reassurance, to feedback you give them, to the knowledge and expertise, to the environment, to the community. I think you've got to look at all of those areas of things that provides people with success. And I think how do you gain confidence from that? Well, there's there's a couple of different things. First of all, physically doing it, you know, actually doing it um, will start to build that confidence up. I think the second thing is actually going to your clients and talking to them. It doesn't have to be a survey. I think talking to them about the things outside of the face-to-face coaching that they value, that's made a difference, that's really helped them towards that success. And I think that will give you reassurance, going forward, and look, the blueprint's the blueprint um, in regards to getting people results. So I think taking the plunge and training someone, whether that's a current client, whether that's doing a bit of a hybrid approach, whether that's friend, whether that's whatever, and doing it, and I think the other things are looking at the blueprint and what delivers results, and then talking to your clients as well, getting reassurance from them. That would be my answer to that.
0: Very good question. Anything you add? Um, no, I don't think so. No, oh.
2: I've just I've just breathed on the mouse and it's moved the question. Oh yeah. Um,
1: no, I don't think I would add anything to that. It is a good question because there'll be a lot of PTS thinking exactly the same way. I think you just have to take confidence from. You've delivered online coaching to enable a a client to get results already. You have delivered that. So um, even, obviously, with every face-to-face client, because the majority of face-to-face clients can't get results just from coming to your gym, coming to your coaching session. So you've delivered the majority of what you've delivered for face-to-face clients is online um, to get them a result in regards to accountability, environment, structure, routine, um nutrition that type of stuff so take confidence over that you've probably done 80% of the job before well
2: I, I was just going to state I would actually argue that without without the structure and the service outside of the personal training sessions that you'd actually struggle to deliver results
1: I just said that i fucking I just spent the last minute saying that and you just basically said it John well Maybe that's Brev- a
2: different way of communicating it to people.
1: Brevity is key here, isn't it, Nick? Brevity is what? key. What did you Who? Brevity. Brett. Brett. What? Brett the Hitman heart. Remember him? What was he saying? Generation. What was him saying? What was he saying? The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, wasn't it? I know I am. Who was your favourite? Brett Hart or Ultimate Warrior?
2: Uh, Ultimate Warrior because he was mental.
1: Yeah, I liked him too. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Bret Hart, because he just he was a purist, wasn't he? He was like
1: a. I also like the big boss, man. Remember him? Nah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, fucking brilliant. Oh. That was fucking <laughs> class. And what were them two? Fuck it. Everyone's like, what? what are they going
2: Le- on? Legion of, legion of Dudes. That's it.
1: I love them. I love them. And the Bushwhackers. Remember them ones?
2: Ready the <laughs> did that in there? <laughs>
1: oh belters that was a blast from the past right next question oh it's your one no
2: yes no
0: no it's you ask i've just asked you i just extended on it and then we're still here
1: where (laughs) the next question the third question we're not. How would you convey your messaging and marketing on gym floor? Flores, the next question.
2: Oh. Oh, that's weird. Um, hang on,
1: hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Look, I've changed the <laughs> he's time. To... I've changed the time and he's <laughs> fucked. He's, he's gone the, up the swanning.
2: I don't know what's going on
1: here.
2: <laughs> right, ask me the question because I can't read.
1: Well, it's my question, so you should be asking me that question.
2: How would you convey your messaging forward slash marketing on the gym floor question mark? I don't know why I'm saying that. Seems everyone who's busy has no structure, marketing, et cetera, but able to get 40 sessions a week.
1: Right. I read this one just before we come on. Come on, Um, air. First of all, it's a good question, because when you do look up for people and you're like, well, the best principles of running a business is to have a target market, is to have structure, is to not let people dictate your diary, and all of that type of stuff. So we know that they're probably that's best practice. But then you look around you, sometimes you think fucking hell, the busiest PTs in here have all different types of demographics. They seem to be in whenever and wherever they're on 40 sessions a week and so on. So Listen, I'm not going to take a general assumption, right? Too much from this because I don't know them. And um, I think what's important from this is to concentrate on what you want and what you need, um, which is really, really important. So, in terms of conveying your message and marketing, I could sit here and go, it depends, right? It depends because if you, are, if I was to go into a gym tomorrow, right, and I need to, I needed to earn a lot of money really quickly, like. I needed to smash three break-even targets within a first two, three, four weeks, right? I would be aggressive in taking anyone and everyone on. I would get out as many leads as possible, and I wouldn't get care if it's fucking male, fat loss, female, whatever. So it depends on what my goal is. If that was my goal, I would go in and be aggressive and then go and build to 40 sessions a week as fast as possible to get as much money as possible. Would I be happy with that business in two, three, four months' time? When we can generally say, I know I said I'm going to do this, is probably I'm going to be working when I don't want to work. Um, I'll be probably having difficulties with some people because they bought something that they didn't meet their expectations and all of that type of stuff. When the workload has got too much, it's become reactive and a bit of a mess. No, I probably wouldn't be, but that's just me. What I'm getting at here with this answer is you could do that. You could have no structure, no target market, And you could go and have a riot on the gym floor and get to 40 sessions a week, but it very much depends on if you you want to do that. So in terms of going back to the original question, how would you convey your message and marketing on the gym floor? I'm going to be dead boring here, but I would be going, right, I have a really decent idea of who I want to help, who I'm passionate about helping. I would look at the hours that I want to fill that align with my goals financially. I would break that down into the people that I want to work with. And I would be As consistent and aggressive with that message as much as possible to get me in front of people with multiple touch points. Multiple touch points being gym floor, social media, email, gym seminar, whatever it is that I'm going to do to to have multiple touch points with people Um, and try not to care too much about what other people are doing. Because it might look rosy on the outside, but on the inside, from 19 years of experience of being a coach and being that person that you've explained, it's not very healthy on the inside, um, so that would be my that would be my advice. I would stick to the principles of how I've learned the hard way. Anything you would add to that?
2: The only thing I would add is there's a reason why there is an industry now of us and uh, like business mentors and courses and marketing. Uh, there's a reason why, and the and the reason is, is that even if you get to, like, there's multiple people, I've spoke about Lowe's last week, I'm like a broken record last week, there's multiple people in the academy now dealing with getting to capacity and managing their time and I can guarantee if you're in a commercial facility this might come across like well, I'm not bothered really it's relatively easy to build a business in a commercial facility like a Pure Gym or the gym group or whatnot, it's relatively easy, reason is there's thousands of members there's no saturation on that membership base and it's very easy to build a business up to 40 hours a week it's really you don't relatively need to have any real marketing knowledge or proactivity around that you probably just need to be at the right place at the right time um and maybe a bit more of a extroverted personality right now i would bet I would bet a lot of money that those people who haven't got a marketing strategy, who are working all hours, who don't have a demographic, have insecurities in their business, are working the hours they don't want to work, are falling out of potentially falling out of love of the actual what they do because it's literally a conveyor belt. Now, I'm generalizing here, but I'm not also generalizing based on hearing this weekly if not daily over the past eight and a half years since we've been doing this full time um and so i would take and i'm there are absolutely people who love it and doing 40 hours a week right but it's a minority absolute minority um i would take what you perceive and what you see from the outside with an absolute handful of salt um in regards to it so so yeah there's my kind of take on it Handful of salt. Um, Handful of salt, not a pinch of salt. Do you know what I mean? Because it's big, bigger than a pit. Yeah. All right.
1: Very good. Um, next question. I, oi, oi, you tarts. 2 folds. No, immediately. When you're at the point of capacity. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We talked about this loads. Um, what would you hone in on? One, ensure the service. Oh, now we've got a problem here because I can't see the rest of the question. Ensure the service continues moving forward. And two, ensure this point is sustained for as long as realistically possible. Good question, that.
0: Didn't fucking listen, did you? No, but I'm just reading it again
2: because you probably didn't. What would you hone in on? Ensure the service continues moving forward or ensure this point is sustained
0: for as long as realistically possible.
2: I think, listen, I think naturally the service will develop over time. I think naturally when you get to the point where you're, you know, you're managing more check-ins and more scheduling and more programming and just more volume of everything, I think the the ability to be able to look to how to be more efficient in those different areas. So, hence, moving um, moving the service forward is done naturally, I feel. Um, and that would actually, I think they, I don't think it's I I don't think there's two parts to that at all. I think they're one in, I think it's one thing. You like your looking to maintain and deliver a great service consistently. And, and by doing that with more volume, you're going to have to be able to do it more efficiently, which develops the actual service itself. So yeah, that's my answer to that. Or my, I don't know if it's an answer, actually. I think it's just a statement also.
1: Okay, Nick. Okay. Um, the only thing that I would say is have an eye to the next step of breaking through that point, because the last thing you want is to be stuck in a bottleneck. Um, so have an eye to what does break you through that point and then therefore what do you need to do now before you have less time to be able to do that. Um, whether, that is to, whether that is an additional product or revenue stream, whether that is outsourcing elements of your job um, to give yourself a bit of time back but also give you an opportunity to invest back into the business in regards to money and revenue or more space for coaching like i would just explore that but we'll explore that on july the 1st in the, in the session anyway in the sesh nick in the sesh
2: um go on then. people find my website looking for private yoga classes uh they are not looking for coaching would it make sense, would it then make sense to amend the copy on my website and tone down the coaching aspects of my work and address it more during the consultation if it appears to be relevant to the client?
1: Depends on your um, goal, main objective. So, for example, if, if my objective was to um get more people into my coaching, then no, I would probably still keep it pretty present because... um people who do come in for yoga and see that you deliver coaching as well for me that's a massive bonus and value add so um it it would lead the majority of people to then have a look into it they might not inquire initially for it but taking a generalistic kind of view on this that then they can do what they need to do from a yoga perspective but always have that in their mind so I think for me it very much depends on your main core objective do you want to grow your coaching side of things and if if so I would keep it where it is and and definitely have it part of the website. Um, and in regards to yeah, I wouldn't tone it down if coaching's my main objective, I wouldn't tone it down personally. I would let it have its own little mini landing page where people can link through from the homepage and people can learn more and read more and understand it more. Um, that would be my view. But clearly, if that's not your objective, then yes, tone it down. View on that. Um, no, keep it on there. Ah there we go. Um, above and beyond local businesses, how to have conversations and generate leads when you don't work in a busy gym, I'd actually be pretty comfortable approaching and chatting to people in the gym, but I want to work with people who don't want to be in or aren't already in a typical commercial gym and much of the lead generation related stuff I see as suggestions is from the gym floor.
2: Um, I think well the first thing is where are those people hanging out and what are they doing and what I mean by that is um, what groups they are part of where are they online what pages do they follow what are they searching for Um, I think those are the first one of the first things I would start to consider and compile a list of Um, so whether that be Slim World groups, Weight Watchers groups, both face-to-face, online? Um, are they looking for healthy recipes? Are they um, doing certain activities? Have you got, are they in certain businesses um, or work a certain type of job to reach out to? So I think that, I think there's where I'd, I'd first look um, organically and proactively off my own back. Um, and then you've obviously got You've obviously got paid advertising off the back of it where you can really, really directly um, seek out these people. But I think it, and the, the other thing is I would also start to consider is. Um, have I got people in my business that started off in that particular position um, because they will probably have friends like them um, to reach out for to get them to reach out to. Um, So, yeah, I would start to kind of consider where those people are, what platforms are on, what groups they are part of, what things are they following. Also, places like community groups as well, specifically Facebook to kind of start to reach out to. So you're going to be going more online, but then from a local business perspective um, and also local community perspective, I'd also compile a list of where they might be and proactively go out and, and search for them. Um, networking events, Clem in the in the academy has done well with networking events. Um, so I think local community, local businesses where they're gonna hang out and as I say, online from a paid, paid perspective, it's pretty straightforward. But then also from an organic perspective, where are they, Where are they, what are they searching for? What platforms are they on um, from, LinkedIn, all the way through to the spectrum of, of TikTok, and start to have conversations, start to get involved in the conversations on there um, is what I would suggest.
0: Anything I've missed? No.
2: In a service that includes sessions, weekly and monthly check-ins, feedback, programming, a little onboarding, what would be your next focus?
0: Um,
1: I could list a few things, probably elements of nutrition or nutrition support, uh, if that's not there already, um, or nutrition education. Um, You could probably say education as a whole. So certain elements of trainings for your clients really short though, five to 10 minutes of one objective at a time, um, that would potentially help clients with frequently asked questions and things that come up and they, they struggle with. Um, uh, potentially you could look at like the collective level of client engagement. So is there something that you could do in regards to uh, like a client engagement calendar, which we all build out at the event as well, but, um, where your clients are doing accountability challenge, or you're bringing someone in externally to talk to them about something different. So all I would do is list things. Really hard for me to say without knowing the demographic, because obviously we keep these pretty anonymous, but um, I, I would prioritize, if I'm looking at that now, prioritize education in, done in a pretty smart and kind of entertaining way for clients as well. So they actually want to watch or listen to it. Um, and maybe home in on nutrition definitely client engagement so something collectively but what i would do is really describe these ideas to clients and i would get them to pick what they want you to prioritize and then say for example they pick education then and you've served that up with i'm going to do a live training in the group i'm going to then record that i'm going to host that i'm going to put it on notion or i'm going to put it on youtube and you've got access to it or whatever it is you're going to put it into the app if you've got stridist or whatever it is that you're doing um i would then break down some topics and again i would ask them and let them pick and they're then part of that um process and it engages them so then they look forward to it and then they'll be more engaged when you start to release it instead of you throwing the kitchen sink at them and it not really landing which i've definitely done in the past by the way because you think you come up with loads of these ideas and actually people are busy man and They don't know if they need it or not. So we have to make it crystal clear. So yeah, from looking at that education, nutrition, support, um, and the collective client engagement stuff, I think would be good bringing people in and out of the business in regards to experts in certain fields and stuff like that and bringing them into your business and stuff. I think that there'll be really good added extras that you you could probably charge more for as well over time. If people value it, anything you would add Nicholas?
2: No, the only thing I would, the only thing I would say is, now that you've got those in place, like refine them. What can you make? How can you improve them? What's going to be the biggest things to deliver results?
1: But, yeah, a lot of the time, it's, I, we say this quite a lot. A lot of the time, it's not about adding more. It's like I've just listed lots of stuff that. Um, a lot of the time, it's really knowing your clients more so individually and then making sure that they value the things that you've already listed, as Nick's just said. So I think that's important, but clearly we can always do more for clients, can't we? It's just if that is valued by them and they only know when it's made crystal clear and you can match a problem to a solution. Next one is how to build a clientele during the summer months whilst everyone is on holiday. Everyone, Nick, everybody fuckers on holiday.
0: No, they're not. I'm not on holiday.
2: You're not on holiday. They're not. Listen, I think this is a, listen, it always gets a little bit quieter during the summer for obvious reasons. Not everybody's on holiday. Not everybody's on holiday at the same time. Not everybody goes on holiday. Like there's so many different scenarios, situations. Yes, we can look at the big collective and go, it's warmer outside, less people in the gym, it, people are more more likely to go on holiday in the summer months 100 absolutely right but that is a narrative that you can create to actually make you sit back and the one big differentiator is not about pitching something different or clever or gimmicky it's about doing the shit that actually all the other trainers are going to start to slow down on if they are doing it at all so i think one of the big things is what i've what i always would say to this is that well yeah if there was a hundred people in the gym yesterday and next week because it's start of summer holiday for example and now there's only fifty well you can't talk to fifty people at once you're going to talk to one person at a time so if there are less people in the gym well fine but you can you can only actually approach one person and speak to one person at any one point so I think it's definitely a narrative that the industry creates it's definitely a place where it, it understandably because I thought it and I grabbed hold of this and made this a part of my kind of defense mechanism is anything we can latch onto and our brain can start to rationalize to protect us from being uh, rejected or protect us from failing we'll grab hold of but the one big thing is that you've got to also have an answer back for what your brain is telling you in the fact we'll, well, yeah okay everyone is on holiday but actually 10 people over there in the session in a class aren't, and the two people over there on a cross trainer aren't, and the girl in the squat rack isn't, and the guy doing the chest press isn't. They're not on holiday. They're people I can approach. They're people that I can potentially help and bring into my business. So I think it's way more about how you answer that narrative in your head and far more about looking at the opportunities that are right in front of you versus. Holding on to something is actually going to hold you back. So there's no different about building a clientele during the summer months. It's just doing the things consistently. And I'm not going to bore you with frequency and all that kind of stuff because you know it, but it's more about the narrative versus the actual time period, in my opinion.
0: Anything you'd add? Did you say no? I said no, yeah.
2: Sales. I watch and listen to a lot of Paul Mosey and other sale type people in my free time. How important do you think the skill of selling is for an online coach? I found I struggled when it got to the price questions on my last consultation call, even though I'm more confident with what I do and how much I charge now.
0: I think it's an important skill to have. Like, I'm not, there is no there's no denying it. It's an important skill to have. It just
1: very much depends how you frame it. Um, I think if you frame it in a sales convincing style scenario, it doesn't sit well with me because, and I'm not saying that you have, I'm just addressing this. like. But um, yeah, in, I think some of the sales information that's out there is very much for me. Sometimes it's like you're selling, you're being told how to sell a car to someone right, or something like that. I think some of the sales information is, is very much forced on that. It's like we're constantly selling a product and not a service. And some people might say, well, there isn't in online coaching. There isn't too much difference. In my opinion, there is like, it, there is a huge difference. So sales is an important skill. Absolutely. I, and for you to become more confident in, selling your service, I feel personally, it's addressing the issue of what you, uh, how you questioned the price in your last consultation, like just sitting down with yourself and going, right, well, if I'm comfortable with my price, with what I do and how much you charge, well, why am I questioning it? Because I would argue that you're not comfortable if you're questioning it. So probably address that. And if that's the case, what do you need to do to improve how you feel about, or how confident you are about what you offer? Um, in, like in my opinion as a coach and i see this as and i put us very much in line with other like practitioners in terms of i don't know physios sports therapists chiropractors people like that like take this term and don't use it in, in, in that's in, in the sense that i'm going to use it but we're fixing people and off, off the back of that people need our help now how we serve that up is our marketing and if we serve that up good enough then the right people will come to you and at point of sale, they'll be more likely ready to to come in and that's them um, taking action on change, right? And I know it's not always that simple, um, but I think it's important to realize that if you're really confident about what you deliver and you've got this online coaching service that you know solves a problem for people, it's got everything in there that your demographic absolutely need to get results. You then market. That, in, in the best way possible, giving an insight into your service, relating to your demographic, all of the stuff that probably this person already knows, for me, there is no need to feel unconfident when it comes to your price. You will you will get to a point, and I can relate to this because I definitely went through the first probably three, four, five years as a coach going through these this elements. But then when you're really confident in your service, really confident in knowing that it, it helps that demographic, Off the back of it, you will never question the price because if you've done a great consultation slash needs analysis with a person and they've turned around and said what they need in terms of, I don't know, structure, routine, more motivation and confidence, they feel like shit about themselves, they no longer wear the clothes that they want to wear, they feel like a bit of a poor role model to the kids, they're not confident enough to go on holiday, don't like being in photographs, if they're sharing that information with you, It's very easy then to go, okay, this is what you need to address these problems. And for me, then you won't question your price because essentially you're changing somebody's life with that. Now, sometimes when you're a PT and you're delivering this, it can be lonely sometimes and you can second guess yourself in scenarios like that. But I firmly, my advice off the back of this is yes, get get a decent, good level of understanding of sales and so on but you don't want to convince people into your business. What you want to do is understand them well enough and build that much of a relationship within your marketing and pre-consult and getting to know them. They open up enough, they trust you enough. And then it's easy for you to just then position a relevant service for somewhere in in that little kind of tick list that we've just gone through, that I've just gone through then, there might've been a breakdown for you on that last consultation, which is why you are second guessing yourself a little bit, but yes, long-winded answer that. I know, but, In short, sales is an important skill to have, but it depends how you view sales within your business. I view it the way I've just answered that question. Anything you would add to that?
2: No, I'd agree. I'd I'd only, I'd only tag on the end. I think actually, like the way that you bring people in will make you feel confident about your price, about presenting the price or not. What I mean by that is, in the past, where I have pushed and convinced and been a bit too direct too quick there's been a um there's and leading up to the call or consultation i create way more scenario i think about it way more and create way more scenarios and ifs and buts around it than normal because they i know they're not really clear on what they're coming in for and so when i'm positioning the price point at the end i'm like oh, shit. do you know what i mean i'm, I'm questioning it so I think if you're being really quick and direct in like DMs or, or whatever, I, it's a question more than a statement. I would have a think about whether that scenario is leading to the point where you're kind of a little bit more nervous and apprehensive about positioning the price point. And also you feel like you're convincing a little bit more than you would normally in, the, in that situation. That's all I'd add.
1: Next one. Um, or is it yours? Or is it mine? It's mine. Next one. How do you know when you need to overcome a barrier of your beliefs to enable you to create a business and life that's in line with your values, which are family, freedom, educating more people? I think, I
2: think take a bird's eye view on the values. Um, and I think also being open to explore how you can align the service with those values so uh, uh, a bit like I think I know who this is without any because I spoke to this morning I think I know this is based on the conversation I had this morning so a lot of this will happen when you go from one-to-one coaching into small group or when you go from face-to-face coaching into online or when you're going from one-to-one coaching online to online group and the reason why I say that is because a lot of the time our values as coaches, when we start off on a one-to-one basis, we want it to be personalized, individual. We want it to be all about the person. And it's hard for us to then migrate that same value and approach to a group situation. We try and muddy the water as we bring it over because we want to still provide the same level of service to those people, even a group scenario, but we know that we can't. So we're we're toying up, giving up helping more people versus the individualized approach, if that makes sense. And I think that's where we question and start to consider and have conflict over doing that. Well, my thing would be: well, first of all, group coaching is better for a lot of a lot of people versus one-to-one. Just like with the conversation we had with face-to-face versus online. Um, why because sometimes the community there is way way much more of a a stronger element and feature of your service versus an individualized approach to programming so the way I explained it was I could do I could give Anne like a really specific detailed program three times a week for him to do in the gym but he can only make one or two sessions and he's, he's losing out on the third one. Well, now my program is at fault. So that individualized, that specific individualized approach isn't giving Ant the required outcome versus Ant's really motivated by the people around him in a group scenario. So he's coming more frequently. So now Ant's come 12 times over a month to, the, to working out versus eight times. Who's getting the better results? the less individualized approach. So it's it's different. And I think taking that bird's eye view on, I want to help this particular demographic. Well, if you can do it in a way where it's effective in a group situation, you're helping more people and earning the money you want to earn without without giving up then the values of family and so forth and so forth. Yeah, that's that's how I would say you would look at things.
1: Rob has said that this has made his day, Was doing this live Q&A at this time.
2: Well, I think it was more about the wrestling talk at the beginning. Oh, really? <laughs> <Was it? laughs> I don't know, it might.
1: Maybe, actually. All right, last question. Go on. Um,
2: I've been through the webinar on target market, but I'm still struggling to get clear on who I want to work with. Any tips, advice for figuring out who your
1: ideal client is? Um, it's a tough one, listen, because there's always going to be elements of conflict between um, who you would prefer to train out of passion and maybe where you're at with your training and stuff like that. And then probably torn normally on um, where the demographic and money is within your gym, for example, or online. Um, and the best answer I can give you on this is be led by your passion. Like, why did you get into the industry in the first place? Like, what was your purpose of getting into the industry? Um, I think that's really important. And it might fill you with lots of self-doubt and limiting self-beliefs because it's such a, maybe it's um, a smaller niche within your business or within your gym or whatever. Um, But all I would say is get to the core reason why you became a personal trainer. What was your core story? What was the reason why you've turned a hobby into a career, for example? And when you pictured helping people, what type of people do you feel like you'll get most reward back from? Um, And then I would go all in on that demographic. And listen, what's important about this is that you can fucking change it. Like, I think sometimes go, oh, that's me forever. Like, if that's just not working, not gelling, doesn't really align with you at a certain point, you can go in a different direction. So, all I would say is, is take what I've just said, be led by purpose and passion of why you got into the industry, because I think that really lights a fire in your belly to and gives you more meaning behind what you do. Um, and what I mean by that is that there might be a spell at the start where you're really struggling to get your message across because you're just getting used to your marketing where you're not getting sales and so on. But actually, there's more meaning to what you're putting out there, so you enjoy it more. There's more meaning to the helping, um, helping this demographic on the gym floor because. You enjoy helping them more. So there's more meaning to it. So when there's more meaning to it, for me, it provides us with a level of consistency um, and prevents us from, from probably giving up as quick as we want to do. Um, and all our ball in and drive that specific demographic. So be led by the passion and purpose. And um, yeah, and it's also an element of depending on how long you've been a PT, like. Once you start to train three, four, five different types of demographics, you might learn on the job actually. Do you know what? That's been really rewarding. And I'd love to multiply that by 10, 20, 30, 40, or well, however many people you want to work with. So what would you say to that?
2: I'd agree. I, I think the added, the only added thing I would add it, put in there is commit. Like you've got to commit. You got to commit and go all in on on who you decide and if you're in conflict try try a demographic for like four months um five months whatever um but i think you know i think you edge towards and maybe it's not the minute detail potentially at that right now but like commit go all in that's the biggest thing i one of the biggest things is when people have people mainly have a kind of a good idea we need to dig in deeper a little bit and whatnot but it's it's just fully committing and going in on it, I think, is one of, uh, an extra piece of the pie, really, that a lot of people miss. Or struggle with, not miss, but struggle with. Um, Sam, I use the fact that every other trainer thinks it's going to get quiet, puts me ahead if I stay on track. Yeah, top man. Last consultation I had was with a lady who has just finished a six-week 150 shred with another coach. Ah, right. So I was going to be similar on the call. I tried to show more value and talk about how my coaching is different. But then when I got to the price point, okay, with this one specifically, what I would, it's very, very easy, right? And naturally you want to convince and try and tell people the difference and the differentiation. What I would have been focusing on there all the time is like, well, what happened on that six week shred? What went well, what didn't go so well, what did you need more of? I'd have been looking for the gaps and the barriers and the challenges and the things that weren't working for her, and then matching my service or the elements of the service to those problems. That's probably where I would have gone around that. Right.
0: Some good questions this week were very good questions. I say that quite
1: uh, good. Right, right. Are we done? Are we? Yeah. We've got 10 minutes for lunch. Oh, no, we can definitely, and I hope he listens to this, but he won't, we can definitely eat, I reckon, on Sam's call. I don't think he'll mind. No,
0: he won't. All right then, people, see you in a bit. See you in a bit.